Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. Each month, we bring you book recommendations and discuss the bites and beverages to pair with them. I'm Carrie Green, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Adam Wheeler and Michael Cunningham. Hello. Hello. On this episode of the podcast, we're wrapping up our first ever Books and Bites reading challenge. If you've been reading along with us, you can turn in your entry form either at the library or online at jesspublib.org slash books hyphen bites. So how's the challenge experience been for you guys? Did it help you get out of your reading boxes? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Mostly, I think I found ways to stretch the categories to fit my usual reading preferences but no yeah yeah I, i'm being ridiculous yes it it helps expand my reading yeah it, it got me to actually kind of pay attention to more what i read and maybe to kind of try something else or try a different author you know mm -hmm. um i thought yeah that was great was there a favorite challenge of all the prompts that we had <laughs> trying to remember the prompts yeah i just looked at them i just had them pulled up um i guess that was an unfair but i guess i can start with one of yeah. my favorite challenges which was i think the translation challenge because that's something that i definitely um need to seek out more of books and translation. It's not something that just sort of comes, you know, across my radar regularly. Yes, I will second that. Um, that that I read Hex, which was, was he Swedish or Norwegian? Um, but that was one of my favorite reads. Um, mm -hmm. And then yeah, Frankenstein and Baghdad was an Arabic uh, kind of re-imaging, retelling of the of Frankenstein's monster, mm -hmm. which, which actually he retweeted uh, our, when I tweeted out about the podcast, which I thought was cool. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> You've had some good success with uh, yeah, tweeting I, I, our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, um, yeah. How about you, Adam? Did you have a favorite book? Yeah, I'm like the worst person to ask if I have a favorite of anything because my answer is always, well, you know, I liked all of them equally. They're all special to me. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, you, I'll, I'll say the, the comics and graphic novels one because most of my choices were comics and graphic novels anyway. <laughs> well, you know, that was actually one of my favorite challenges two but it's for the opposite reason because i don't tend to read them and every time i do read them particularly for this podcast i think i really need to read more but somehow just never they just don't really end up in my um reading flow <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's hard to bring a new format into things all right well we are going to start a new reading challenge in January. So 
the 2021 reading challenge um, will be a little different. It'll work a little differently, but we think you'll have even more chances to win. And we'll talk more about that in the January podcast. So stay tuned for more on that challenge. Um, and today we're talking about the 12th prompt in the 2020 reading challenge, cookbooks or books about food. And I know um, we had a little accident, right? <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, Michael and I are both, we both did the same book um, without talking to each other. All, all the books of food that were possible, we both landed on it. And I'm not going to speak <laughs> to how Michael chose his, but I know at this point, after all this COVID, I am so tired. <laughs> I typed uh, funny books about food into Google, and I landed on this one and just checked our catalog to see if we have it. And lo and behold, we had it in audiobook, so I could just listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to this years ago, and I oh. thought it would be a good chance to re-listen to it, because I'm a huge Jim Gaffigan fan. Um, so I was like, perfect for something funny at the end of this trying year. Um, mm -hmm. so that's, that's why I chose this one. Well, does one of you want to tell a little more about the book? Okay. So if you're familiar with Jim Gaffigan at all, you know, he loves food and he's really most famous for his thoughts on hot pockets, which he does cover here in this book. He discusses his own terrible eating habits as well as terrible eating habits of America in general. He really encapsulates the fast food culture in America when he describes a time when he was shopping at a Kmart and witnessed a man in the checkout line in front of him drinking a cup of KFC gravy. <laughs> <laughs> so nasty. I know. <laughs> it, it goes on to say the guy looked at him right in the eye and just kind of winked at him. <laughs> um, but I really liked he breaks down America into these specific food regions so sea bug land he's not a fan of seafood is the northeast <laughs> coast eating barbecue land is the southeast and parts of the midwest Super Bowl Sunday food land is midwest parts of the east steak land stretches from Texas to the upper west Mexican food lane is southwest of Texas. And there's two additional special regions, wine land, which is Northern California, and then coffee land is the Pacific Northwest. And then, yeah, he explains his extreme distaste of seafood and vegetables and goes, goes into great detail about his love for steak, burgers, pizza, and uses several chapters to discuss the different types of fast food and breaks down each restaurant individually. <laughs> So it's, it's a hilarious read. And there's a lot of his uh, anecdotes. If you've ever seen a stand-up or listened to his uh, stand-up specials, uh, there's a lot of that is uh, sprinkled in with mm -hmm. the audio book. Uh, here, this is one of my favorite ones. It kind of goes with the holiday theme. Um, this is a quote. The most disappointing real cake has to be fruit cake. You would think it would be better. It doesn't add up. Fruit, good. Cake, great. Fruit, cake, nasty crap. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm convinced no one actually eats fruitcake. They just mail it to their relatives around Christmas. Rumor has it there are only 10 fruitcakes that keep getting gifted every December. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I particularly enjoyed the sections he had where he went through all of the like fast food joints. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, and I, I learned a terrible, terrible thing that there was at one point a Taco Bell diet. What? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like they were trying to cash in on the Subway diet thing they had with Jared before he got in trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is a whole other horrible thing. And he also digs at Subway really, really hard. But yeah, it's all fun. And I personally felt very victimized and I hated the fact that I identified with so much of this book. (laughs) Just the love of eating horrible, horrible things and knowing you're eating horrible things and doing it anyway. Like what he's talking about. No one wants to be seen at a fast food restaurant. If you see someone, you don't want them to know (laughs) that you're there to eat. And they're like, oh, I just came in to use the ATM. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not eating this. White Castle, he says, like, it looks like the inside of an insane asylum. All the furniture's bolted down. Bright white light. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen his stand-up, but I have been seeing him a lot this since the pandemic started on CBS Sunday Morning. He um, has been doing little pandemic episodes with his family in lockdown, <laughs> and he's pretty funny on those, too. They talked about, he actually, the most recent one, he was talking about Thanksgiving and spending it with the same six faces he had spent... <laughs> every day so far since March with mm-hmm. well yeah it, yeah because he lives he lives oh yeah he lives like what with with his five kids uh, and his wife in a small New York apartment it doesn't oh, look no. so small yeah, oh, that's I mean. what, yeah I'd say it's it's celebrity small it's yeah. not our yeah. small it's, yeah, when they yeah. show it on, because, uh, you know, most of his Sunday morning episodes are shot in his house. Um, yeah, I would not. Yeah. It wouldn't be my small New York yeah. City apartment. Though <laughs> may, maybe any apartment will feel small if you live there with five children. Yeah, that's um, true. No. Very, very <laughs> true. Yeah. During um, a pandemic, yes. As far as the stand-up goes, like, this book, I read it on audio. And first off, I'm going to say that I found the exception to my rule of I don't like biographies. And the exception is when they're done by comedians. Um, Jim Gaffigan does really well. He reads it on his own. So he knows how the tone is supposed to be. He does the delivery really well. It's sort of like just a seven hour stand up special that you can listen to in your car. Um, and I've also listened to Tina Fey's Girl Boss. Is that mm-hmm. was yeah. that one was good? Uh, I listened to that when I was recovering from eye surgery. Uh, <laughs> it's really nice. Uh, and also Amy Poehler's biography mm-hmm. was really funny. Yeah, I've listened to those as well. Um, and I also enjoyed Mindy Kaling's 
I think first one, I tried listening to her second one and I didn't like that one as much. It was a lot more name dropping <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine you've had enough life to add to another biography. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you guys have recipes to pair with this or fast I food? Do. Yeah, Michael, you did the description. Do you want to do yours first? Sure. So in the book, um, Jim provides us with his homemade hot dog recipe, which entails cutting open a pack of hot dogs, placing their microwave, bunning it, and dressing it. So <laughs> I picked a recipe that's a little less sad than that. <laughs> um, so I chose so. I paired this with a, with the L.A. Dirty Dog, a recipe that I found in Roy Choi's L.A. Sun. So you need hot dogs, red and green bell peppers, sliced onion, bacon, mayo, ketchup, mustard, and hot sauce. So after cooking the hot dogs wrapped in bacon over medium heat, you'll slather each bun in mayo, then top it with the sautéed peppers and onions, then add ketchup and mustard and a dash of hot sauce to it. Hot dogs wrapped in bacon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're good. He would love that. He would absolutely love that. Yes. He has a whole section in the book just dedicated to different kinds of bacon and yes. how wonderful they are. Uh, and that Canadian bacon is just ham. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> There's the one that was called fat back bacon and how yeah. awful it sounds. Like, why not just add hairy to that? Yeah. Hairy fat back. Um, but I'm really glad I didn't do the microwave hot dog recipe. I thought about it, and you would have just shown me up and kicked me in the rib. <laughs> However, I do have my own recipe, and I will say I had a really hard time narrowing down a single food to pair with an entire book about the unhealthy relationship with eating that both Jim Gaffigan and I share, <laughs> and then I found it. This right. sandwich is in response to Gaffigan's comments about chili on spaghetti being one of the most dangerous things you could possibly eat while driving. Yeah, you get it at a drive-thru. I am looking at you, Skyline Chili. <laughs> I'd like to think both he and I would be appalled by this sandwich, yet we'd be intrigued and lazy enough to eat it anyway. I am talking about Tyler Cord's famous, original, genuinely not Ray's sandwich extravaganza. I don't know who <laughs> Ray is or why his name is mentioned, but this is a long name for what is basically something you'd make as you're rushing out the door. So you start with a slice of cheese pizza. <laughs> you throw some ham slices on it. If you're feeling froggy, uh, maybe top it with some red onions and mustard. And then you fold the pizza, sort of like a hot dog, to contain the toppings, put it in a paper towel and toss it in a Ziploc bag. So now <laughs> you can take it on the road with you and you can listen to Food by Jim Gaffigan on audio while you're eating it. Um, <laughs> of course, you know, distracted driving is really dangerous, so be careful. Um, I found that recipe is bonappetit.com. I will, we'll put the link on our blog. But you can find more recipes like this in Tyler Cord's A Super Upsetting Cookbook About Sandwiches, available in hard copy at JCPL. That sounds like 
another perfect recipe to go with that book. Yeah, it does. And a perfect, would, perfect cookbook to go with it. I would like to say it's too disgusting to eat, but this is coming from so when I was living downtown when I first moved to Lexington on my own. My groceries were scant at the time and I needed a lot of calories. So I looked at what was in my kitchen and I was like, I have bologna, I have bread, and I have peanut butter. <laughs> I could put them all on a sandwich and it was gross, but not too gross. And it was definitely calories and it worked. You know, whatever gets you through. Yeah, there's a third recipe. Yeah. We're, doing, we're going extra this time. If, if you dare. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say that some of the recipes in the book I wanted to talk about um, are kind of kind of veer towards those type of recipes that you guys both um, <laughs> yeah. described. Um, so I'll, I'll just jump into to my pick, which is Eat Joy, Stories and Comfort Food from 31 Celebrated Writers, edited by Natalie Eve Garrett. First off, a word or two on the title. Eat Joy not only sounds vaguely cannibalistic, it also suggests that joy is the primary emotion explored in this collection of essays and recipes. And let me immediately dispel you of that notion. There are very few moments of pure happiness in this book. Rather, as Garrett's introduction points out, the writers, quote, chronicle the hard times, immigration challenges, chronic illness, loss, heartbreak, and more, and the foods that help them make it through. Nevertheless, in a year that has, for many of us, been harder than most, we all probably need this book right now. Stories that show people working through grief and heartache and coming out on the other side can offer both solace and hope. And the recipes that accompany these essays offer a tangible way to comfort yourself, whether you just imagine them or actually make them. Claire Massoud, Colin McCann, Carmen Maria, Machado, Edwidge Dandicat, and Alexander Chi are just a few of the contributing writers. And one of my favorite essays, Natalie Bazile, writes about scattering her father's ashes along the Boudin Trail of South Louisiana, sprinkling cremains under the refrigerators and in the potted plants of Boudin shops. In Minute Rice and Other Miracles, Amitava Kumar writes about learning to cook as an Indian student studying at an American university. He and his roommate, also Indian, quote, gave in without a fight, unquote, eating monotonous meals of, quote, minute rice and thin slices of beef seasoned with dirty spices, unquote. In Grief Pickles, Kristen Escandrian writes of her longtime love of pickles, quote, I am the pickle, she writes, the pickle is me. Were <laughs> 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 uh, the pickles she was eating? <laughs> No, I mean, some of them were special pickles, special pickles that her grandmother made, but some were just, you know, classic. <laughs> she was kind of writing about, like, her shame, her childhood shame over her love of pickles. <laughs> A childhood shame about loving pickles? Why? 
Well, I guess pickles aren't really something that, you know, most people, most kids will go for like the pop tart or, you know, the, could be like the sugary, rather than a pickle. Yeah. Personally, I keep, I keep jars of pickles in the fridge all the time because they're just easy, easy snack. Yeah, I'm a fan of the pickle. Um, but I would say for me, it was kind of a learned thing. I yeah, wonder. me too. <laughs> I hated as kids. As a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, um, it is an accomplished and diverse group of writers, both in style and identity. And the range of included recipes prove that comfort food is highly subjective. In fact, some, such as Anthony Doerr's raw hunk raw Duncan Hines brownie mix are barely recipes. That's a depression meal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in that case, it does kind of fit with what he was talking about, which was being, um, I think he was like 14 years old and being on a, um, like a survival camp. And, um, that was like how he survived the nice brownie mix. Well, yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, we can we can probably all relate to the desire to lick a bowl of brownies clean, mm. or to eat the box Ooh. macaroni and cheese. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have on more than one occasion made a bowl of cookie dough just to eat the dough. I didn't like anything. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Well, you know, raw egg, but (laughs) other than that, yeah. It's good to live dangerously every once in a while. (laughs) This beautifully illustrated book would make an excellent gift. I read most of the essays during my own meal times. Most are short enough that you can fit a couple in during lunch. Pair this book with the recipe that sounds most comforting to you. I went straight for Mrs. Hemmings's chocolate brownies from Claire Massoud's essay, The Taste of Consolation. Massoud writes that the brownies sent to her in boarding school care packages got her, quote, through exams, loneliness, even despair, unquote. They were easy to whip up, and my husband said they were better than brownies from the box. Sorry, Anthony Doerr. I may have licked the bowl clean after putting them in the oven. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) So for my, uh, my shorter pitches here, I'm first doing a callback to my very first Books and Bites episode, which was the teen and middle grade books episode. Why am I saying episode so much? In March of 2020, meaning my entire participation in Books and Bias has been uh, within the specter of the pandemic. Fun times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway. I hope that hasn't clouded your experience. (laughs) Maybe, but I won't blame Books and Bites for that. Uh, Anyway. Katie O'Neill's The Tea Dragon Society is a middle grade graphic novel full of fantasy and lush illustration, all served with an easy slice of life feel. The story centers around characters who are caring for tea dragons, 
rare and fussy creatures which sprout delicious magical tea leaves when properly cared for. The characters include a variety of skin tones, and the author does a good job of introducing LGBT plus folks without making their identities the crux of the story. This is really a feel-good book for anyone, honestly. Um, the Tea Dragon Society by Katie O'Neill is available at JCPL, both in hard copy at the library and digitally through Hoopla. Next, I have an adult nonfiction book, The Drunken Botanist by Amy Stewart. While I'm much more enamored with her books, Wicked Plants and Wicked Bugs, which are all about very painful bugs and uh, plants, uh, Amy Stewart's books are beautifully illustrated taxonomies threaded with fun trivia and storytelling. The Drunken Botanist is an entertaining slosh through the processes of fermentation and distillation, followed by a vining through various flowers, herbs, fungi, and other botanicals that can make a wonderful cocktail. So give this wonderful book a read for sure. The Drunken Botanist by Amy Stewart is available in a variety of formats through JCPL. Uh, my third choice is a YA novel, With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. Um, she's had a lot out lately, and I can't remember if I've talked about this one specifically already or not. I know I've talked about it in some places, but I'm not sure about Books and Bites. Uh, Acevedo is a prolific YA author who's probably most noted for her novel in verse, The Poet X. Imani Santiago, the main character, dreams of being a chef and enrolls in a cooking class in her high school. She is also a teen mother with extra responsibilities at home. While many books about teen mothers seem to focus heavily on the pregnancy and how the incoming baby will alter the mother's life, Acevedo takes a fresh approach by telling the story of a mother who is doing her best to be a good student, be a good parent, and do her best to prepare a future that she will enjoy. Imani is Already talented in the kitchen, but she wants to learn so much more. Uh, with a fire on high is available in a variety of formats at GCPL. I highly recommend checking out Maddie Matheson, Homestyle Cookery. A follow-up to his 2018 cookbook, Maddie Matheson, a cookbook. Maddie is a Canadian chef who has his own unique style. I first discovered him on his TV show at Supper Time that used to air on the Vice Network. He's got a bunch of great videos on YouTube now that are pretty hilarious. Uh, his brand new cookbook is all about home cooking and comfort food with a Canadian flair. He covers bread, stocks, pasta, dips and spreads, sandwiches, soups, meats, and desserts, along with some really quite fancy special occasion dishes. Um, one recipe that I really want to try is the double beef patty melt with Gruyere and molasses bread. And then there's a T-bone steak and fine herb chimichurri recipe that looks amazing. Those sound very rich. That's yeah. delicious. What is chimichurri, <laughs> though? It's a Argentinian, um, I believe. It's like a... Is it like a I made um I made chim chimichurri like it's a sauce. Yeah, um, yeah. I made it for books and bites a while ago. Um yeah. it's like parsley and peppers and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. Mm. One book that I've used recipes out multiple times from my pairings on this podcast is Ronnie Lundy's Vittles. 
one part travelogue, one part cookbook, this book takes the reader on a journey through Appalachia. Many of the recipes are simple in nature, but are so delicious and amazing. So far, I made the slow cooker, roasted pork shoulder, and the mountain green beans and taters, and aim to try the skillet fried chicken and milk gravy soon. If you're wanting to better understand the complexity of Appalachia and enjoy some amazing food too, this would be a great book to add to your to-be-read list. And then if you're a coffee lover like I am, you should check out the World Atlas of Coffee. In addition to going into detail about the the 29 different coffee growing regions, this fascinating book takes, takes you through the process of growing, harvesting, and processing this coffee as well as how to properly grind it and the different brewing methods you can use like the French press and the pour over method. Very cool. I'm, I've talked about Ronnie Lundy's book. It's um, an awesome book. Before too on the podcast. Yeah, it's a great book. And it's one of those books that's really beautiful to look at. Yeah. It has all these great photos and um, yeah, that would make an excellent present yes. as well. It's like a good coffee table book. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would I would probably add it to, you know, those Appalachia books or Appalachia reading lists are coming out now, mm-hmm. um, you know, in response to Hillbilly Elegy. I would, I would definitely add that to it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of my favorite books about food of all time is An Everlasting Meal, Cooking with Economy and Grace by Tamara Adler. Adler takes the premise behind MFK Fisher's classic, How to Cook a Wolf, and updates it for a modern palate. This is the perfect book for our current predicament as she encourages you to eat well, economize, and cook instinctively with what you have. Though the book does contain recipes, they are often more guidelines than strict steps to follow. Adler's writing style is very witty and lyrical. I find her sentences constantly surprising. It's one of those books that um, I'm always tempted to read out loud to whoever is sitting nearby because I love the sound of it so much. Two books I'm looking forward to but wasn't able to get my hands on before the podcast are Be My Guest, Reflections on Food, Community, and the Meaning of Generosity by Priya Basil and Jacques Pepin, Quick and Simple, Simply Wonderful Meals with Surprisingly Little Effort. According to the publisher, Be My Guest is, quote, a thought-provoking meditation on food, family, identity, immigration, and most of all, hospitality at the table and beyond. That's part food memoir, part appeal for more authentic decency in our daily worlds and in the world at large, unquote. Jacques Pepin, Quick and Simple, is a revised edition of the Shortcut Cook featuring, quote, 250 of Master Chef Jacques Pepin's classic and timeless recipes for unexpectedly polished and satisfying meals with minimal prep and cleanup. If you've never read anything by or about Julia Child, well, what are you waiting for? There is so much to choose from, and everything I've read is delightful. I especially recommend, as always, Julia, the letters of Julia Child and Avis Devoto, and Deary, The Remarkable Life of Julia Child by Bob Spitz. 
Thanks for listening to the Books and Bites podcast. To learn more about the podcast or to turn in your 2020 reading challenge entry form, visit our website at justpublib.org slash books hyphen bites. Our theme song is The Breakers by Scott Whitten from his album In Close Quarters with the Enemy. You can find out more about Scott and his music on his website, adoreforadesk.com.